Hello and welcome to another of the Doctor Who Show's Alternate Galaxies, where this time we are going to review The Book of Boba Fett, Season 1. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And I'm Richard. Thank you, Richard, for joining us once again for one of these reviews. We want to keep this quick and pacey and simple. We don't want to uh, keep anybody too long, so let's dive into it. Listeners, as always, we'll have a bit of a non-spoiler, a spoiler-free just chat about what we thought about it all. We're then going to give you our scores to maybe give you a bit of a flavour of what's coming. Spoiler curtain, and then it's on for young and old. So, Richard, you're our guest, so once again... Spoiler free, what is your takeaway, your biggest thought about the book of Boba Fett? Okay, overall, I'm going to say, look, I did enjoy it. And look, I was waiting for each episode each week and I watched it with my son and and occasionally my daughter. So look, we're we're all pretty hyped for it each week. Um, So overall, yeah, look, positive. There were some things definitely in it that I was expecting to see. There was an awful lot I wasn't expecting to see, but I'm (laughs) sure we'll uh, tease that out over the next half hour or so. It's kind of hard to say much more without going into spoiler territory, I think. But uh, look, overall, I was positive about it. Can you throw a score out of 10 at it? It probably doesn't sound very positive. I'm going to say about six and a half to seven, probably Mm -hmm. somewhere in that range. Interesting. Well, there's a bit to explore there. Rob, your spoiler-free thoughts. Very briefly, not what I thought it would be. Six and a half out of 10 also. That was very succinct. Uh, Look, (laughs) I've got more to say later. (laughs) Yeah, look, it is the sort of series where I think there is a lot that needs to go behind the spoiler curtain. I also wrote down here, no word of a lie, six and a half before we started this conversation. (laughs) So that's really quite bizarre. Uh, Look, did I tune in every week? Absolutely. Were there some episodes where I was really keen and really excited to tune in the next week? Absolutely. Do I think the series worked as a whole? Probably not, and that's probably going to be my first comment after we drop the spoiler curtain. But but Richard, you mentioned watching with the family, and I will say the big positive for me is this was a show that people at work watched, that friends who aren't friends in sort of the inner depths of Doctor Who fandom were watching. So there was a lot of that conversation every week. Did you watch Boba Fett yet? What did you think of the episode? What do you think this means? And and that was a very cool thing. And I think the biggest thing of all of these new Disney shows, whether it's the Marvel or the Star Wars, is that there is that sense that it's reaching out to a broader fan base, a broader set of viewers. And and that's a really fun experience that, frankly, I don't get from Doctor Who. And uh, I do get from these things. Well, there you go. I've actually been at home now for just over two years, so um, I don't. My work interactions are fairly limited, so um, I didn't discuss it with work people. But look, I'm. I did sit down and talk with my son about it afterwards. He's fifteen or just fifteen, and he really quite enjoyed it. I think. Again, he was surprised at a few points. Um, and probably much the same ones I was, but he was probably more positive overall about it than I was. I think if you're asking him, he'd, he'd probably give it about an eight or a nine, I think. He, he really enjoyed it. Which is probably something we all need to bear in mind when we talk about this. Mm. Well, unless there's anything else, gentlemen? Bring it down. Yep, we're dropping the spoiler curtain. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, from here on in, we are going to assume you have watched the book of Boba Fett. Frankly, we're going to assume you've seen The Mandalorian and you're up to date with that as well, given it's a year old. Uh, we're going to assume you've seen The Empire Strikes Back. Um, <laughs> you're going to, you've, you, you need to be up to date. Look, gents, I'm going to kick off with a point here that I think is, is really important and really 
framed my whole understanding of the series. Mm. And that is that even now, seven episodes later, I'm not sure what this series is about. Now, let me just expand on that for a moment and, and take a moment to do so properly. At the end of the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, I knew what was going on. We had a guy who's a really cool kick-ass bounty hunter. He's into this Mandalorian cult religion thing. Uh, and and we discovered Baby Yoda, and that was kind of, okay, this is what the season is going to be about. When I watched something like WandaVision, the end of the first two episodes, I was, look, I'm not quite sure what the show is, other than there's lots of mysteries. But by the end of part three, when we got outside the dome, I knew, okay, this is what that story was. The mystery is a big part of it, but this is the setup, and I knew what this thing was. I still don't quite know what the Book of Boba Fett was. I don't quite know why Boba Fett is meant to be this cool character. Uh, I get that some people are more invested in him than I am. I'm not going to go down that path. I've done that before. But, But I didn't get really who this character was. I didn't get why he wanted to be the mayor of Moss Espa and, and what his motivation was. And and there were times when I'm sitting there going, look, I'm quite enjoying woodwork with Boba Fett, but what's the point of this? And then there's stuff where he's just sort of wandering around doing his Jordan Peterson impression, telling everyone to make their bed and get a good job and live nicely. And I'm like, that's great, but what's that got to do with Boba Fett? Why does he want to do this? And at the end of it, he was asking the same question. Yeah, you know, what do I really want to do this job? I'm not sure I'm up for this. Guys, that's my sort of really big problem with the series. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you because you're a big Star Wars fan. Mm. Uh, Do you share that thought? Do you have any insight? What do you think? Well, I just want to say he wanted to be Daimyo, not Mare. So, sorry, I, Daimyo. I, I forgot. Mos Espa. Tatooine. Yes, I forgot the, uh, the I forgot the space name, the, the space <laughs> title. Yes. Yes. Look, uh, I think joining on from what you've said, the plot seems so small time. He wants to be this crime boss, but a nice crime boss, you know, who only does nasty stuff to people we know to be very bad, like those bikers. Even though he was tricked into that, I mean, they were still scumbags, but he blew them away <laughs> under false pretenses. <laughs> Uh, Look, for mine, the EU Boba Fett was much more interesting. The extended universe Boba Fett. He became Mandalore. He was in charge of the Mandalorians. He fought the Yuuzhan Vong War. And then he trained Jaina Solo, all these new fighting techniques to take on her twin brother Jason, who had become Darth Cadus. That's the Boba Fett I know in the novels. He does big, important stuff. Not gets bogged down to be Daimyo on Tatooine, you know, in this planet in the back of beyond. It's like the plot is just small time. I have to say, Rob, if that had been the character we'd got, I would have got that a lot more. And every time he said, I am Boba Fett, I would have gone, yeah, rather than, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Richard, your reaction? Yeah, so I sort of come in probably a bit between the two of you. I am aware of some of the EU Boba Fett stuff, or what's it called now? It's actually called Legends. Legends. Yes. Where he was a real, I did read some of the books and whatever, and he was a real, you know, badass character. And this probably feeds into some of the stuff I was expecting to see, because given all that stuff is now non-canon, I was fully expecting that this story was going to set up what happened between that moment that we don't really talk about in Return of the Jedi um, <laughs> and, and to where we saw him in Mandalorian and this is going to be the, the new continuity for the character. So mm. um, I was fully expecting it was going to 
do that whole backstory thing and we were going to see, you know, everything that happened to him because we need to recreate whatever version of Boba Fett and how we want him to look and act and behave and now. Yeah, look, he was really watered down. I didn't probably really get why he wanted to be Damio or Damio either. That probably was one of my negative points. It just seemed to be really, we, we want him to be a nice guy now, not a bounty hunting scumbag, basically. So, you know, or scum, what is it? Um, scum and villainy. So <laughs> that bit probably didn't really resonate that well with me. But the, the thing probably where I was expecting, I did have the moment where... I thought at the end of episode four where they did the sim- sort of symbolic thing where the droid says you're healed and you can get out of the back to tank. We've had four episodes full of backstory and we now are going to write. The last three episodes are just going to be kicking on with the story and now he's going to go out there and you know kick some major ass. Mm. And then <laughs> it just sort of the story just took a total left turn and... <laughs> It wasn't even in the next episode. <laughs> well, I, I want to dive in at this point and say, you know, I have a feeling, unsubstantiated, but unsubstantiated feelings are grist for the mill on podcasts, right? So let me let me throw this out there. <laughs> Go for it. I think something went wrong in the production. Mm. For us to have that sort of slow start, three episodes of flashbacks, but then we get to that fourth episode, and not only was he told, oh, you're healed now, get out of the back to... It was a great episode in general. The one where he steals Slave One, um, he blew away the biker gang that I mentioned earlier. All of that stuff. Boba Fett was back in episode four, three episodes to go. But then we went off on that two-episode Mandalorian storyline, you know? And I think Boba Fett was in the second of those two episodes for a minute or two. Yeah, one one scene across two episodes. Yeah, you you don't desert your lead for two whole episodes in a seven-episode series without reason. So I think something's gone wrong behind the scenes and they've maybe yanked some storylines out of Mandalorian Season 3 or something because it just went weird for those two episodes. Maybe it's that Terry Nation thing where, you know, I've committed to write all the episodes of this season and they get about halfway through and it's like, I'm really starting to run out of ideas here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably on that, just feeding off that, I, look, I was probably also expecting we were going to have an appearance from Mando, like he'd either turn up for sure. you know, the final battle or something. And being cynical, and this is, this is probably the cynical point, I was also expecting we were going to see Grogu because, you know, we've had 12 months without your baby Yoda fix. So um, <laughs> you, you're going to want to see him. And you need to reassure the merchandisers that he's still out there. So, <laughs> and, and let's face it, once we saw the astromech droid in the Naboo ship without an astromech droid... Did anybody not expect that at some point we would see Grogu flying about in that dome? Like, that was so incredibly obvious. I was just amazed at how quickly we saw that. Oh, absolutely. And and the thing was, you know, it's like, you know, choose the lightsaber or choose the Beskar armor and be my first apprentice. But we know that Kylo Ren is his first apprentice. So it was, it was sort of anyone who knows anything about Star Wars knew he wasn't going to do it, as well as that astromech slot being empty. Of course, people were on YouTube saying, oh, they're going to blow away the, the sequel canon. He's going to be the first apprentice and Kylo Ren won't exist. I was thinking, no, that's just stupid. Sorry, Richard, you were going to say. Oh, I was actually going to say, I actually didn't take it so much from the astromech slot. I actually took it more from the fact, hmm, are they really going to keep paying Mark Hamill and run that de-aging technology over him? <laughs> For another 10 episodes of this, I don't think so. So, of course, he's leaving. 
<laughs> so I, I want to pull out on that point, perhaps as the next thing to talk about, I will just say, and I, I don't think we really need to dwell too much on this. Did I think that seeing Luke back was absolutely amazing? Yes. Did I have a huge grit on my face when Luke had Baby Yoda in his backpack and was jumping around through the forest? Absolutely, I did. I, look, look, that that was great. Let me let me say that that was great. I I have some issues and some thoughts, and I don't know. Maybe I'm softening on the scene about you know Grogu pick the um. The, 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 the shirt or the, the lightsaber. Initially, I was really quite angry about it because I thought you are setting up here for your main character or, or the most popular character, I should say, to basically reject Luke, who is, for me, the heart, soul and point of the Star Wars saga. And I was a bit like, you know, you can't, you, you can't say that to Luke. You're basically saying that the Mandalorian is cooler than Luke and he's not, and, and that's really wrong. But I've, I've since listened to... Um, uh, Mark Bernardin on Kevin Smith's podcast talk about this, and he did point out that this is actually an echo of the choice that Luke is given in Empire Strikes Back, where mm. Luke is given the choice, stay and learn to be a Jedi, or follow your feelings, go save your friends. And is this Luke actually pushing Grogu to go and be... Uh, somebody who has attachments because Luke is trying to reform the Jedi and move them away from being a bunch of celibate loner losers that they were and that led to their downfall. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it could be setting up Luke to show that he isn't so crash hot at this stuff, you know, because we know if if the sequels are canon, and, and I assume they are, he stuffs things up royally. This could be the start of him stuffing things up by making this binary choice. You can have that, or that, not both. And and maybe having failed with Grogu, he doubles down next time. Yeah. Um, and really starts, you know, standing over the, the next batch of recruits that he gets. Quite possibly, you know. So they, they could be going down a, a route of showing Luke to be, you know, just not good at this stuff. Absolutely. And my initial reaction was very negative to the way that was set up. And, and I still feel a bit bad about it. But it is possible, and, and given what we've seen from this writing crew, which has been pretty good, that they are actually setting up not just a really good character arc for Mandalorian and Grogu and Luke himself, but actually really putting a whole new spin on those negative parts of the sequels and actually showing how we got to Luke completely failing and Kylo turning out how he did. And I think that you're both right in the way that they could be leading into that. Mm. Richard, another point from you. Another point from me. Um, the next point actually I had was probably around um, Fennec Shan's role in this and, and probably specifically when we get to the final episode um, where ultimately it's really her probably who saves the day. So, you know, Mando and, and Boba Fett are sort of, you know, doing the back-to-back last stand thing. And and I, I probably had a couple other points around that final battle. But you notice we sort of see Fennec Shane disappear for a bit. And then suddenly, as I said, she actually goes and strikes at the head of the snake. Mm. And really is the one that resolves the situation. It, it does really feel like that trope of the sidekick who's really the one that's cool and effective. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the thing I was going to say about the final battle... 
Look, there were some cool moments in it and stuff, but it did sort of almost feel like, okay, we've hit a brief lull. What can we throw into it now? Okay, their backs are against the wall and they're going to hit. Oh, look, the guys from um, Freetown have turned up. Oh, look, we're now getting a beat up. Oh, look, the biker guy survived and so did the so did the Wookiee. And now, look, we're really about to get... All these things are going to get stomped. And, hey, look, now we're going to turn up on the Rancor. <laughs> It was just that sort of steady escalation, which was a bit sort of, oh, guys, this is, feels a bit formula. Sorry. And our and our blasters don't work on yep. the shields of that droid, but we're going to shoot our blasters at that shield for the next 15 minutes just so there's blaster fire. Yeah. You know, it was like, mm, I'm not sure about this. I, I, and, and Baby Yoda gets something, sorry, and Baby Yoda gets something to do too by pulling the pin out of the leg on one of them. So. Yeah. I agree with both of you, and my reaction was very similar. I, I, I thought it was very cool, it was very well done, but at the end of the episode, I was sort of like, no, nothing happened. However, I was reflecting at that point on a conversation, Richard, you and I and a couple of others had many years ago now, having gone to see the midnight screening of Attack of the Clones, and <laughs> the next morning, our, our group of half a dozen of us or so were sending around email chains and sort of saying, what do you think? And we're going, oh... I like this bit, but I didn't like this bit, and this bit didn't make sense. Why did this character do this, and why did Lucas do this? And then one of our friends just replied back and said, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. Stop this analysis. You're looking at it the wrong way. It was a cool, fun movie, lots of spaceships. We got to see Yoda fight like a badass. Who cares? Just, just move on. It was fun. And maybe there is an element to which we should be looking at this and going, we saw Boba Fett ride a Rancor and have a big battle with some cool droids. Is that enough? Well, I was going to say, did you stop being friends with that person? <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, Jesus. yes, actually, as it happens. But there you not, go. Not, not over that. But <laughs> I rest my case. Look, it was just something I wanted to throw in there. Um, expanding on the whole Luke and Grogu stuff before I think we should get back to Boba Fett, just like the series eventually did, I am also very curious about how the Jedi work in this universe. And particularly now that this universe is becoming a proper universe with multiple shows, with real lore being developed in them, and not and, and not just six cool movies that, look, they're great, but let's not pretend that there's a huge depth to many of them. And that is how, how, how do Force-sensitive people who aren't Jedis work in this universe? Because one of the things I loved about Babylon 5 was the cycle and this very gritty, realistic idea that if people had psychic powers, that would be kind of terrifying and you would want to regulate them and you would say, we're not going to let you just wander around with these amazing powers outside of our organisation. And yep, okay, I can see the pros and cons for Grogu going off and living his life with the Mandalorian, but there is now an incredibly powerful, potentially killer infant out there in the universe. Is that is that okay? Is that a good thing? Well, if we go back to the EU, the vibe there was people out there who are Force-sensitive might just think they're very lucky when they go to the casino, or they might be a very good pilot, or, or whatever. They don't actually know they're drawing on the Force. So it could be like that. It's not like these people know they can do this stuff and then go flipping, doing backflips and jumping off buildings and stuff. Unlike maybe the Psycore where you, you have a very definite knowledge of what you're doing and you can see into people's minds and stuff like that, depending on what uh, psi rating you were, of course. Of course. So in, in the EU, given, given that's the take, is there then, as the dark side reestablishes itself and whatever, do they go around looking for Force-sensitives 
like that. Is that part of it? Because I'm, I'm be honest, I'm not probably steeped enough in the EU to to remember that. So, in some of the stories, yes, yeah. Okay. In, in other stories, it just sort of comes up organically, and happily, the person we meet in this novel is is force sensitive, and oh, they find out by the end, you know, that sort of thing. And and does somebody then take them under their wing to train them, or is it just they go on their merry way, thinking, "Hey, I've got some cool abilities." No, they try they try to train them. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And I'm particularly thinking of the Jedi Academy trilogy of books in in this sense, but it happens all through other books as well. And and I, and I get that, and I respect that, but. Grogu has now been taught enough that if he wanted, he could do some pretty bad and dangerous things. Well, I think, doesn't it, isn't this the feeling that it's not actually he's learning stuff, he's actually relearning stuff? Yeah. He was obviously in the temple during Order 66 and somehow escaped and has clearly shut that portion of his, you know, experiences off or whatever, and now we're starting to unlock them again. So... Yeah, he, he clearly is going to gain some um, pretty uh, pretty nasty abilities, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes and whether that is a issue as I think it is or it is a plot point. Rob, another point from you. The mods were crap. Yes. Um, they don't really fit Tatooine at all. Or I should be saying Tatooine, like Tim uh, <laughs> Morrison. Tatooine. Um, I thought there'd be some clever explanation like they weren't from there. You know, they got kicked off a Starliner or something for, you know, smoking some grass or something. But but no, you know, we're meant to believe they're actually an organic product of life on Tatooine. I don't see it. Maybe that's what would have happened to Luke ultimately, you know, if he kept going to the Toshi Station enough and never left with Kenobi. Well, we saw Toshi Station. Yes, we did. Nice segue. And and we and we saw his sort of former friends. So yes, Cammy and Fixer. Yes. Yeah, um, unbelievable. You know, some of the levels of fan service they'll go to because that is, of course, a deleted scene mm. that most people have never actually seen. So we're homaging <laughs> things that weren't even happening in Star Wars films now. It's quite amazing. Speaking of deleted scenes, one thing that I really was interested in and enjoyed was the introduction of the Hut twins who were then written out an episode later. Uh, look, fortunately, I think the Pike were a really cool adversary, but it, it again, as you sort of said, Rob, I, I'm interested in how well planned this whole thing was before they pressed play, because it really felt like the Huts were just brought in and thrown away because we've decided the Pikes are cooler or they need to be scared of the Pikes to show how cool the Pikes are. I'm not, not quite sure. But I will also just add here while I've got the floor, I really did like that uh, second episode where they went and almost went a very firefly where they went out and did the whole train siege and all that sort of thing. I thought at that point, okay, if this is what the series is going to be, this is really cool and I'm up for it. It wasn't what the series was going to be, but I really enjoyed that episode. Yeah, I actually, that was probably going to be my next point. We've sort of jumped around a bit, but um, how, how did you guys feel about the sort of four episodes of, of setup with him, you know, gradually getting the trust of the Tuscans and joining their tribe and making his own gaffy stick and whatever. Did that work for you? Yeah, look, I really liked episode two, as I said. I quite enjoyed episode four. I was not bored by one and three. Uh, I was intrigued by a lot. There was, there was a lot of me sitting there looking at him getting to terms with the culture and the language of the Tuscan Raiders and going, this was really quite interesting, but I'm not engaged and I'm not excited. And I'm not quite sure what it's for. And at the end of it, I was sort of like, was that it? And that was my biggest criticism of those ones. So 
50-50 for me. For mine, I think they weren't particularly long episodes. I think you could have thrown 10, 15 minutes onto the first two and just wrapped all of that up in two episodes. That would have been a lot better, I think. Yeah. Again, it was probably part of the stuff I was expecting to... Well, I wasn't expecting to see Tuscans necessarily, but it was probably part of the initial, hey, hey, we need to reinvent this character. I was going to make the point, I think it was probably at least an episode too long. Uh, I think because it was sort of like just okay this is kind of interesting but do something else you know kill somebody or do something you know I was engaged with it and I thought this is interesting this is obviously how they're going to reinvent the character but it was sort of like okay I, I am actually getting a bit bored with this now after three and a half episodes of it can, mm. we, can we move on to something else please how, um, how, how do you both feel about the fan not not theory fan speculation out there that what they should have done is one episode of him getting out of the Sarlacc, Tusken Raiders, all of that, and just get all of that flashback done in one big opening, and then he's Boba Fett for the rest of it. I think that would have been too tight, right. if I can jump in first. I think it just would have been too tight, because they're trying to show him building up a relationship with them, uh, the Tusken Raiders, that is, and to do it in one episode, I think, is too tight. I think in two longer episodes, that would have been the right way. Yeah, probably much the same. I think given that this was meant to, as I said, I think reinvent the character with whatever, you know, storyline attributes, character traits, whatever they want to put on him now, I think one episode wouldn't have been enough. Um, So I get why they did what they did, but I think it was, yeah, probably at least an episode too long. Or kick off with a couple of episodes of him being, I am Boba Fett, I'm on Tatooine, you know, and, and doing really amazing stuff. And then we flash back in episode three or four or something like that. Would, would that have slowed the story down, though? Give, give, have a couple of kick-ass opening episodes. Oh, Maybe well, one he, half a dozen yeah. of the other. It couldn't have been any slower, so... <laughs> and, and, and let me segue from, from that and just ask the question point blank. Were your two favourite episodes five and six? I liked episode two, um, and I thought the train hijack was a good set piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I did actually have... I saw your note there about picking our favourite moments, and I was sort of thinking, I really should pick one that had Boba Fett in it, because the ones actually I came up with didn't. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, I'd probably have to say, actually, yes, I think the two best episodes probably were the two without him in it. I'm going to go for four and five, not to be contrary, but I think four was a good episode with him stealing Slave One back from uh, Jabba's palace. Oh, not allowed to call it Slave One anymore. It's now called the Fire Spray or something. Oh, that, that's just what's written on some <laughs> toy box. It is Slave One. It's written in a bunch of bloody books and it's been Slave One for decades. Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> no, I, I, I have seen some stuff that that was a conscious decision not to name the ship during the series, so... Uh, I believe. Okay, we're avoiding that rabbit, rabbit hole. Look, I, I, I like what both of you said there. I, I agree there are a couple of good episodes that weren't five and six, but I will say the two that I was most keen to get on social media or get into work and say, hey, did you guys see that episode? I want to talk about that episode. I want to see the next episode was those two episodes. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I liked in chapter six, obviously Ahsoka Tano was in it. And she had that line, I'm a friend of the family. And then it suddenly clicks, oh, she's been running around with Anakin Skywalker all this time. Now she's hanging out with Anakin's son. Holy beep, you know? <laughs> that was that was a moment for me, actually. There were some very deep cuts for people who are really invested in that longer-term lore, which is really cool. 
Well, changing tack uh, quite a bit, actually. Have either of you seen Toast of Tinseltown? No, not. Now, in that one of Matt Berry's ongoing lines that he says in, in multiple episodes to all these people throughout Los Angeles is, I'm, I'm over here to be in the new Star Wars movie. <laughs> and Matt Berry is actually the voice of 8D8, the torture droid who uh, is in Boba Fett's service, who was in Return of the Jedi torturing that other droid. That That is the voice of Matt Berry. So oh in God. a funny way, Toast of Tinseltown is sort of true. And <laughs> actually, I won't give a spoiler about Toast of Tinseltown. I'll just say that he runs around saying, I'm in the new Star Wars movie. Nice. So the final point that I've gotten, I think it's the correct point to finish before we go to our um, wrap-ups. The post-credits scene, I watched that. And I thought, cool, there's going to be a post credit scene. It's going to set up something really exciting. And I watched it, and I then had to go to the internet and Google who was in the tank at the end of Book of Boba Fett, because I had no idea. Did you guys really? Did you guys know who it was? Yeah, of course. It was Cobb Vanth, wasn't it? It, it, yeah. it? it was, but he was dead. No, he wasn't. And he didn't, he no, didn't look like that. No, no, no. Go on, you've, you've got Timothy Oliphant. Of course he's not dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that and also the fact he only took one shot, yeah. whereas uh, Cad Bane then turned and put about 50 shots into, into the, the deputy. Yep. And people were sort of crouched around Cobb Vanth on the ground. I thought they're, they're tending to him. He's not dead. Yeah, look. So look. I, I wasn't surprised. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm just being naive, but... Finding out that he wasn't dead and hearing on the internet, and I don't know if this is true or not, that Cad is also not dead, it does feed my f- annoyance that Star Wars is becoming very, very Moffat-esque in that nobody dies and stays dead in the Star Wars universe, which I think would be a shame. Because I actually thought, yeah, they've got Timothy Oliphant, he's come back, wow, oh my god, he's dead, how bad is that dude? This is really setting me up for the finale. And I thought that was a really cool dramatic moment. It's it's like when um, Samuel L. Jackson gets killed in Deep Blue Sea and you go, okay, things are really bad now. And I think that it's a shame that that is going to be diminished like they have done by bringing back Palpatine and Boba Fett and well, Darth Maul. Well, we don't everyone. know about Cad. We don't know about Cad Bane. That's, that's you know, true. There's only a rumour. He is actually a very old character in the lore at this point in the story. That could be his death scene. He's old enough, he's done enough stuff in, in the past, in Clone Wars and stuff like that, for that to be the end. So I'm not entirely sure they would need to bring him back. But Cobb, we know for sure, yeah, he's going to get fixed by the, uh, the uh, what would you call that guy? Um, the the, 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 the yeah. Bacta droid or whatever it is. No, the, well, no, the, no, the, the guy. The mod, the mod, the mod oh, guy. yeah, of course, the mod guy, yeah. yeah the, the guy from the chop shop. The, the yeah. cyberneticist, yeah. That's the one. All right, well, we've been going for a good half hour now, so time to wrap up. Uh, before our closing statements, though, I just want to ask each of you, what was your favourite moment of the book of Boba Fett? Rob, it's your turn to go first. I've already mentioned it, I think, twice now. It's where he blew away all the bikers in a very Mad Max kind of way, just sort of crept up behind them like Max would do in The Interceptor and uh, just took them all out. I thought that was fabulous. Yeah, that was a very cool moment. I, like like Richard sort of intimated earlier, I... I do feel like I should pick a Boba Fett moment and therefore I was going to go for the train hijack, but I can't lie. It was, as I said earlier, Luke jumping around like it in Empire with a Yoda-type alien on his back, looking great. I'm sorry, I was grinning from ear to ear. Yes, it was fan service. I'm a fan. I was serviced. Uh, it was it was a great, great moment and I really enjoyed it. Lovely. lovely. Richard. That, that's great. Um <laughs> 
and, and they're pretty much actually choices I had. If, if I was picking a moment with Boba Fett, yeah, look, I, I would probably have to go for the train hijack. Look, I did have the little squee moment where Grogu sees Mando again and, you know, you have the... <gasps> and gives him the hug. And, and look, my daughter really liked that, so I'll mention that for her. She, she thought that was a really nice moment. Other than that, actually, so the other Boba Fett moment is actually where they go into um, Jabba's palace and get um, and, and, and get his ship back, get the slave one back. I actually thought that was really well done. Other than that, though, I'm actually almost actually going to pick the bit, I think, where we first see Mando and he goes into the um, the, the sort of crime lord's den and just kills them all. I actually thought that was really well done. And then you just see him taking the head off the guy and clearly he can't take anything else because he's actually got to get back on a shuttle to get out of there because he doesn't have his ship. <laughs> yeah, and, and I did enjoy the member of the gang who's like, no, I'm cool, I'm leaving, we're cool. <laughs> That was that was quite well. Yeah, well done. He comes out. He sort of does the look. You could take me on if you want, but there's a crap load of money in there. Why don't you just go and take that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that that was a really cool moment. And look, that I think leads to my closing comment, which is there was a lot to love in this series. There are a lot of really cool moments. There were moments I was excited by. It, it's been an overall positive experience, but it wasn't a very coherent story the plot actually was barely there i still don't know what the point of boba fett is i still don't know what the point of this season was it didn't hold together but it was saved because a it's star wars and so i was going to keep going whether whatever it was like let's be honest but b there were enough cool moments sadly some of them were moments that had nothing to do with boba fett but there are enough cool moments to keep me going so it was a positive experience and that's where my six and a half comes from. And that's a six and a half of lots of cool moments rather than one big enjoyable story. Richard? I'm actually going to echo pretty much everything there. Um, it was six and a half because I thought there were some cool moments in it. Did you just, uh, since you don't get Boba Fett, though, did you watch that little doco that, that Disney put up um, about under the helmet or whatever it was called? Uh, no. Is it is it worthwhile? Oh, look, I thought it was... 20 odd minutes of diversion I wouldn't say it really gave you an in-depth into the guy but it, it probably does explain some of the myth because and I know we've had this discussion before so I'm not going to rehash the whole thing but Boba Fett really does have this whole legacy that he brings into this series and I could see that a lot of fans or long-term fans were probably quite disappointed by it I, I think because they were expecting a lot more but mm. look, overall I was entertained by it it had some really cool moments it's just a shame that they the, probably the best moments in it didn't involve Boba Fett. But look, yeah, I was entertained at the end of it and, you know, I'll probably sit down and rewatch it at some point. So thumbs up. And a final thought to wrap us up from you, Rob. Yeah, guys, I said at the start, the show wasn't what I thought it would be. I somehow thought it would be more uh, interesting. I mean, I, I, I knew from the end of the Mandalorian series that, that he was boba and he's on jabber's throne and he's on tatooine so i guess i knew what i was getting in that sense i just thought it would be better and i i come back to how we do that leap into the two mandalorian episodes i i i can't help but think something went wrong when they were making this it's not coherent there are great moments dave like you say but it doesn't hang together overall and for people who have made successful stuff like the mandalorian series I can't help but think something went wrong. That's all I can say. Yeah, look, it sounds like fairly consistent views from us. 
As always, listeners, please do write to us, tweet us, let us know what you thought. Do you agree or did we completely miss the point? And I will say that as much as I have had my ups and downs with this series and as much as there's part of me that is worried that the new Kenobi series will just destroy everything I know about Kenobi and ruin the whole character, I kind of don't care and I'm kind of incredibly excited to see those characters again. Will they get off Tatooine? You see, my my nerdy side says, no, the whole point is that Obi-Wan sits in the cave as penalty for 30 years. It'll destroy the character. Mm -hmm. And my my heart says, I don't care. Bring on Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor and let's just have some fun. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll see come May. No doubt we will have a conversation about that when that comes out. But I think the next thing likely is going to be The Batman. And once again, despite the fact that I probably dislike more Batman films than I actually like... I'm actually quite excited for this one. Uh, Richard, are we going to see that and uh, do a review? Yeah, I'm up for it. Yeah, I'm up for it too. So that's probably what's coming next in this little review thing. But until then, I've been Dave. I've been Rob. I'm Richard. And we'll all speak again soon. Bye now. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Alternate Galaxies, the podcast where Rob and Dave from the Doctor Who show take a look at other great sci-fi and fantasy that we think Doctor Who fans might like. You can reach us at hello at the dwshow.net, on Twitter at the dwshow, or on Facebook forward slash the dwshow. Alternate Galaxies is an irregular podcast, so stay tuned to the Doctor Who show and other programs on our feed to know when the next episode's coming. Our theme music is called Wretched Destroyer and is by Kevin McLeod. Find him at incompetech.com. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.